Amen. Amen. Thank you. I don't know what you could hear out there, church, but in here in the, in the, the church with, I think, about maybe seven or eight of us, that was just an awesome time of, of worship. I pray that you are at home able to uh, worship the Lord as well. I know that it seems a little odd for all of us, but God is in us anyways, not in this building. This is just a place where we come to worship together, and I pray that this Resurrection Sunday, that your heart will be uh, continue to be touched as you've prepared it through a time of worship, and we dive in um, to what God has in store for us today. Um, next Sunday, uh, Lord willing, I plan on uh, starting a series uh, called uh, The Afterlife, a five-part series designed to look at uh, what the Bible tells us about some, uh, some topics that if you're a believer or not, they're topics that you, you often wonder about. And we're going to dive into those, and I just want to encourage you, uh, don't just turn in on Resurrection uh, Sunday today. Plan on inviting your friends and family to look at, um, according to the Word of God, to look at what happens when we die is one of the things. We're going to look at uh, what about heaven? What does the Bible say about heaven? And, and what about hell? What, is, what does the Bible say about hell, and, and what about the resurrection of the dead? And then we're going to look at uh, what about the, the final judgment. And uh, again, I hope and pray that you invite your friends and family and are able to come and watch that. I'm going to pray as uh, my brother Jesse turns on the lights for me, and we're going to, to uh, pray. Lord, we just ask right now in Jesus' name that you would bless our time, you would touch every heart, Lord, every mind, Lord, and that you would have your way in us and through us as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray uh, as well that you would touch uh, my voice as I'm struggling a little bit. I pray, God, that you would help me uh, say what you need me to say today to touch your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are, uh, I feel, led uh, to Start this Easter morning by reading Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and 7. If you have your Bibles, open there with me. We're going to start there. I just feel led that this is where we should begin on resurrection on Easter Sunday. Here, it, here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house on line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now I know, I know uh, many of you may have, uh, may be wondering if Pastor Jay may have fallen and hit his head. You, uh, you are probably at home right now yelling at me as you watch, hey, Hey, Pastor Jay, you have gotten your days all mixed up. Today is Resurrection Sunday, Easter. Today, Pastor Jay, is not Christmas. 
You've read the wrong scripture. Have no fear. Have no fear. I, I have not fallen and hit my head. I, I know some of you are concerned about that, but, but I have not fallen and hit my head. And I know today is Easter. But please understand, the resurrection story, the Easter story, really begins at Christmas. Yes, I know for some of you deep theologians, yes, technically it begins much sooner than that. But concerning the 33 years of Jesus living among us, it begins on Christmas. You see, without Christmas, we have no Easter. We have no resurrection uh, Sunday. It all begins on, on, on Christmas. Christmas is a gift that was given. Christmas is one of the uh, holidays that we all love to celebrate if you're a believer or not because we give gifts, right? You see, both are very important, obviously. Both are very important to, to born-again disciples of Jesus, so let me ask, let me ask all of you, why is it, it they're both equally important. They're both uh, celebrated as born-again disciples. And even in the world, we have what we call the CEOs, Christmas and Easter-only people that come to church because deep down in, it even means something to, to some of you if it's not carried out any further than that. But it has deep meaning. Let me ask, let me ask you, why is it that Christmas is the big gift-giving holiday of the year? Why Christmas and not Easter? Now, yes, I know some people give Easter. Uh, they give gifts at Easter. They give eggs. They give chocolates. They give the, the peeps, right? And they have the Easter baskets. Uh, we, we get all that. But Christmas is still, by far, Christmas is still the big gift-giving day. Again, why not Easter? Why don't we give just as many gifts to one another on Easter as we do on Christmas? Now, like many of you, I have heard some great reasons uh, for why we give gifts at Christmas. Of course, the number one reason is this. We give gifts at Christmas to celebrate the fact that God gave us the gift of his son, Jesus, fully God, fully man, his, his, is God's gift, right? A living gift, a, a living gift given um, to walk among us and to teach us. Makes sense. Christmas is all about giving God, uh, is all about giving, right? Because God gave us the best gift uh, ever. And that's why we give gifts at Christmas, now, that is a great argument, a, a great reasoning, and, and I agree with it. But I believe we have just as great an argument for giving gifts at Easter. In fact, biblically, I think we have a, a greater argument. You see, because of the empty tomb that we, we're celebrating today, not only in our church, but all around the world, for born-again disciples of Jesus uh, the empty tomb, because of the empty tomb, God continues. He continues to give gifts to you and me. And it's true because I want you to, to listen. If you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, just, we're just going to look at one, one verse of why the, the empty tomb, why God continues to give gifts to you and me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. When he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, which is a whole nother sermon, but these are the words I want you to look at. 
and he gave gifts to men. And he gave gifts to men. So he ascended into heaven, and he gave gifts to men. Now, after three days in the tomb, Jesus emerges from the grave, and after spending uh, 40 days appearing at different times and places to his disciples, he ascended into heaven, and he begins pouring out gifts to mankind. Did you hear that? He begins pouring out gifts to mankind. Easter is a divine gift-giving day. This is where I get the title of today's message, Easter, the, the gift lives. Okay, we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus. It's the greatest gift given to mankind. But Easter should remind us that this gift that was given, the gift still lives, and the gifts keep coming. Now understand, the enemy of God, the enemy of this world, the enemy of you and I did his best to kill the gift, to kill Jesus by hanging him on the cross. Which, by the way, turns out to be yet another gift, no doubt the greatest gift, the gift of forgiveness through his broken body and shed blood. His sacrificial gift. You see, in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, God made him, meaning Jesus, who had no sin, had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The gift. The gift was then pronounced dead. And put in a burial tomb. But as we, as we now know, the gift lives and the gift continues to give. And Easter, uh, Resurrection Sunday, should be a day that we continue to give gifts. Because we're going to look at the gifts that he continues to give. I want you to look at how this, this living gift continues to give. We're going to go through some quick and some we're going to slow down on. But the first one is... Jesus, the gift, rose from the dead and gave the gift of life. Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. So Jesus rose from the dead and he gave the gift of eternal life. That in and of itself is awesome. I mean, we have the gift of forgiveness on the cross. And then he rose from the dead and he gives the gift of eternal life for those who believe. And then look at this next one. Jesus, the gift, Jesus, the gift rose from the dead and he began giving the gift of changed life. So you have eternal life and then you get this, this changed life, this life of transformation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So there's another gift. You get this gift of transformation. I've got transformed. The minute I gave my life to Christ, Christ came into my life. I repented, started turning from my sin, and, and I was transformed. The old man was gone, the new had come. I could testify to that, and many that knew me before I was a born-again believer can testify that it is much better now than it used to be. Because gift, because Jesus rose from the dead, the living gift, he gives the gifts of transformation. Next one I want you to look at, Jesus, the gift, 
rose from the dead and began giving the gift of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22, or, or listen to it. He said this, again, Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. There's another gift that Jesus gives. We are empowered with the Holy Spirit. We are marked with the seal. The Holy Spirit is in us to embolden us, to give us courage to walk in this, in this life, to be his, his witnesses, his testimony in this world. The Holy Spirit. Man, those are great gifts, aren't they? Coming right out of the starting blocks. Uh, eternal life transformation, the Holy Spirit, all these wonderful gifts that is given because, because Jesus rose from the dead. Inspires you want to go out. Uh, of course, none of us can go out today, but it inspires you to want to go out or go on Amazon and order a bunch of Easter gifts like Christmas and send them to your friends and family. My address is 1860 Malibu Drive. Send them right over. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But that's the point. Greater gifts are given because of the resurrection. The gift still lives. Now, we're going to dive into two, two, a couple more. We're going to go in a little bit deeper into these. Here's the next one, that the gifts. The fact that Jesus, the gift, rose from the dead, removes the fear of death. What a great gift, amen. What a great, it removes the fear of death. The fear of death has been called the greatest of all fears. The greatest of all fears in people. God, a good definition of human fear is this. Fear is the eternal warning cry, a cry that danger is nearby and we had better do something about it. The word fear is, in fact, it comes from the old English English word for danger. Danger. We fear death because death is dangerous, correct? Because it, this life ends. You see, people fear death because of the perceived terror and danger in it. And of course. Now please understand, as a born-again disciple of Jesus, I, I'm going to speak of myself for a minute, I no longer fear death. Before I was a born-again disciple of Jesus, I feared death immensely. I had, I, I had no hope. I feared death. I was paranoid about many things, and I feared death. But because God created us to flee or flight, we, when faced with danger, especially with death, I could fear the way that I might face my death. It's, a built, it's built into each of us, right? So I don't fear. I don't fear where I'm going after I die. Let, let me try to explain this. I don't fear where I'm going after I die. I am certain with all hope within me because of what Jesus has done in me and things that, that I can't explain other than there is a God and how he's done things in my life. I, I don't doubt it at all that I'm going to a place where no eye has seen or ear has heard for the treasures he has stored up. I don't fear that at all. But because of the the built-in flee or fight in me, I may fear the way that I may die. Does that make sense to people? Because he designed us that way. He designed us to, to live. 
But the minute that happens, or however it happens, and I cross over into the eternal presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord and Savior, it won't matter anymore. It won't matter anymore. So you could say, I do not fear, I don't fear the sting of death, right? The sting. And that is what Jesus did for us when he, when he rose from the dead. He removed the sting, the terror of death. In what is known as the greatest resurrection chapter, the Apostle Paul, he writes this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 through 57. He wrote this. Where, O death, is your victory? Meaning, meaning before I was a believer, uh, death, the fear of death had victory over me. It controlled me. But here, here it is saying it, it doesn't have victory anymore for born-again believers. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory of not fearing death through the Lord Jesus Christ, because the Lord Jesus Christ conquered death, was resurrected. And as believers, we get to follow him. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, the fear of death can be replaced with trust, confidence, and a sense of victory. And I know you're all at home saying amen to that. But I think this true story really illustrates the point of how the, the, the sting of death is removed from born-again believers. You see, the great preacher, Dr. Donald Barnhouse, lost his wife when she was only in her 30s. She left him with three children, ages 12 and under. Now, Dr. Barnhouse chose to, to bury his wife and conduct the service himself. While he was driving um, to the memorial service with his three grieving, heartbroken children staring blankly out the window, a, a truck passed, passed by them on the highway and it cast, cast a shadow over their car a, as it went by. Now, Dr. Barnhouse, never losing his brilliant ability to illustrate, he paused and he thought, what does a father tell, a motherless, uh, tell, tell his motherless children at a time like this? Then he looked at his 12-year-old daughter and he said, sweetheart, tell me, would you rather be run over by the truck or by the truck's shadow? Now, startled by the question, she, she said, Oh, I, I don't know, I don't know, Daddy, the, the shadow, I guess. Why, he asked, because the shadow can't hurt you. Then Dr. Barnhouse said this, children, children, listen, listen, your mother has not been run over by death, but by the shadow of death, by the shadow of death. Now, please hear me this morning. It is only the shadow of death that touches those who believe in Jesus and the resurrection. Only the shadow and the shadow cannot hurt us. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there is no sting as a born-again disciple of Jesus because Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered death. You see... It was Jesus who took upon himself the terror of all that death was. 
That means being separated from the Father, the penalty, and the agony of sin. And because death in all its fury hit Jesus head on, he rose victoriously. We are hit only by the shadow as born-again disciples of Jesus. I know every one of you are at home right now yelling, Amen, Amen, Amen. Because that's what it does. That's what Jesus does through the power of the resurrection. Now, the next gift. The next gift that the resurrection continues to give is this. Jesus, the gift, Jesus the gift, the living gift, rose from the dead, giving us the gift of a certain and sure hope for today and for tomorrow. Now, how many of you think the world needs a little bit of hope today? How many of you think the world needs a little bit of hope today? We are literally living day by day, week by week. We, we don't know what restrictions need to happen next, what we need to do to stop this, terror, uh, this terrible virus. And I know uh, as a citizen, I want to do my best to honor what our governor, what, what our leaders are doing. Uh, they seem to be doing the best they can, and we need to do our best to, to contain this and not spread it. And that's why they're doing what they're doing. They're not doing it to hurt anybody, but we need to stop this. But we need hope. We need hope. You see, true hope is found in Jesus and his resurrection. Did you hear me? True hope is found in Jesus and his resurrection. This gift of hope that he brings is both an earthly hope and a heavenly hope. We can have hope right now as we're living through this pandemic, this, this horrible crisis. We can have, we can have hope. We can seek God more and more as we, spend, as we find ourselves with more time. We can lift our eyes to heaven. We can deep, dive deeper into the things of God and have hope. We can be a blessing to others to give them hope. We don't have to live in despair. We don't have to live in fear. We can have hope right here on earth. And then we can have hope, uh, a heavenly hope. Knowing, as I said before, Jesus has taken the sting out of death, that we have heavenly hope. We have a place where Jesus said he's going to prepare a place for us. You see, hope in a person's life, it's powerful, isn't it? Hope is powerful. To, to come up next to somebody that has hope versus somebody that is pessimistic and has no hope, you will gravitate hopefully more towards the hopeful person because hope, it excites you, it gives you energy, it, it gives you hope. Listen to this. In a study of 122 men who had suffered their first heart attack, they were evaluated on their degree of hopefulness and pessimism. Those that were hopeful after this heart attack and those who were pessimistic about it. Of the 25 most pessimistic men of the 122, the 25 most pessimistic men, the ones that were the Eeyores, we're like, oh, I'm going to die. This is the worst thing could ever happen, whatever. They were just, they were down. They had no hope. Of the 25 most, 21 of them died uh, within eight years of their heart attack. Now listen to this. Of the 25 most hopeful and optimistic, of the 25 of those that were like, I'm going to beat this, I'm going to live my life, I'm going to go on, only six had died within an eight-year period. 
Loss of hope. Now listen, they, this is what they found. Loss of hope increased the odds of death more than 300%. It predicted death more accurately. This is what they found. Between hope and pessimism, it predicted death more accurately than any medical risk factor, including blood pressure, amount of damage to the heart, or cholesterol level. The conclusion of the study was this. Better to eat Twinkies in hope than to eat broccoli in despair. If I have Pastor Daniel come. But do you see it? Better to have hope while you're at home and doing things that, that grow you in your faith, doing things that reach out to people and being positive, right? Offering them that Twinkie of hope, whatever, than being home and, and, and reading news reports and listening to rumors and being pessimistic and being down all the time and, and calling and being on Facebook and reposting things that probably aren't true and calling people, we're all going to die. It's, that's not the right thing to do. Have hope. We're going to beat this. The Lord Jesus Christ is with us. You see, in times like this, more than ever, we need hope. As born-again disciples of Jesus, we need to show the world the hope we have because we know the gift given at Christmas still lives, right? Just a few months ago, we are celebrating Christmas. All the wonderful food and family and gifts and all those wonderful things. And look where we are now, a few short months later. It's almost like we, we just forgot all about Jesus. Jesus, you know, he's dead, but we, he lives. He, he lives, he lives, he lives. Because he lives, we have eternal, uh, an eternal future. Easter, the gift lives. My question to each of you is this. Have you opened and fully understood the Easter gift? All the gifts that come with it. Or, or have you decided to just hang on to it, leaving it unopened and useless? Much like the commercial that aired during Super Bowl 37. Many of you may remember it. In this commercial, uh, a FedEx, FedEx ran a parody. They ran a parody from the movie Castaway. In which, in this movie, Tom Hanks played a FedEx worker whose company plane went down. And many of you have seen the movie. The plane went down and, and he was stranded on a desert island for years. And during that show, you know, he had this one package that was washed ashore. He opened many of them, but one he didn't open. He held on to it. And at the end, it shows him taken to somebody's house. But in this parody, in this parody of this movie, uh, this man, uh, or this commercial, this man looking like the scruffy Hanks, a FedEx worker in the commercial from the movie, the FedEx employee in the commercial, he goes up to the door of a, a suburban home and he has a package in hand. When the lady comes to the door, he explains that he has survived five years on a deserted island and during the whole time he kept this package in order to deliver it to her. She gives a simple thank you. But he is curious. He's curious about 
what is in the package that he has been protecting for five years. He says, if I may ask, if I may ask, lady, what was in the package after all? She opens it and shows him the contents saying, oh, nothing really, just a satellite telephone, a global positioning device, a compass, a water purifier, and some seeds. The very things he needed to take care of himself and to go home. Unused and unopened, many people today do the same thing when it comes to Jesus. We all have a choice to make. Our choice to open by faith the gift that Jesus has made available through the power of the resurrection or leave it unopened and useless. It's our choice to personally receive the gifts of the resurrection. It's our choice. And I hope and pray that you see Jesus rose from the dead and, be, and began giving gift after gift of grace, uh, comfort, his presence, his strength, gift after gift after gift. That's my argument for why I think we should give just as many gifts on Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection gifts, the gift of life, of eternal life, the gift of a changed life to be transformed, the gift of the Holy Spirit to have power in our lives, a gift uh, a, a gift that, re, that takes the sting out of death, that removes the sting out of death, that takes fear away from us, knowing that we're going to a better place because the sting of death is gone. Jesus conquered death. And his gift gives us hope. And I pray, I pray as, as I look at this camera, pointing right through this camera, right through this screen, right to you, whoever you may be, as I point right at you, as I look you right in the eye, I pray, I pray, and I hope that they are not unused and unopened for you. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, God. We thank you, first of all, we thank you for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to be the Savior of the world. We thank you. We thank you for that gift. We thank you that we can celebrate the life of our King, our Savior Jesus. We thank you for that. And Lord, then we, we thank you for the cross, God. We thank you for the cross. Because it's through the cross that we find forgiveness where we can say, Lord, we're sorry for the things we've done against you and others. And we thank you for going to the cross because of my sin. I should be on that cross. But we thank you that you went for us because you are spotless. You are perfect. You are the perfect sacrifice, as the Word of God says. Once and for all, no more blood needed. We are covered by the works of the cross. We thank you for the cross. But Lord, we are thankful today for the empty tomb because death could not hold you. Because death could not hold you, you continue to pour out gift 
after gift after gift after gift to those who choose to accept the greatest gift of all, the gift of grace. And God, we do, we thank you for the gift of life, the gift of transformation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you that you've taken the sting out of death. And we thank you that you give us more hope than anything else in the world, especially in times like this. And God, I pray for believers, born-again disciples of this church, of our community, all over the world today. I pray that you would empower each and every one of us to grow deeper with you right now. And that we would win people just by sharing our faith story. And God, for those that may hear my voice today that don't know you, may today be the day, be the day that they open up their heart. They hear that voice. And Lord, they let you in and they accept eternal life, transformation, the Holy Spirit, the fear they may have uh, may be just taken away, Lord God, and that you would give them so much hope. God, we thank you that you are a risen Lord and Savior. You're not a piece of wood. You're not a rock. God, you are alive, and we know the Word of God says you're coming back today, someday, maybe today, but you're coming back someday for your church. This time, you're not going to come as an infant. You're not going to come to be to, uh, put on a cross. You're not going to come to be put in a tomb so you can uh, vacate it again. You're going to come this time riding a white horse with fire in your eyes, Lord. And I pray you will find a church ready to meet you and be with you forever. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. We thank you for the empty tomb today. We thank you for the many gifts you give us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I pray you have a great, great day. I pray you take time to reflect on who Jesus is to you and what he's done for you. And find somebody to share that with. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. for our daily connection. Stay safe and God bless till we get to see you live and in person. God bless.